That's why we've been going in a little bit of a different direction uh, this Advent. And so uh, today, as I say, I wish you a messy Christmas. Let me turn to the person to your right and to your left and say, I wish you a messy Christmas. See, for some of us, that just feels wrong. For some of us, it's supposed to be a Merry Christmas. What are you talking about, Pastor? A messy Christmas. I laughed at this picture here. I don't know if you can see it. They're having a little bit of a messy Christmas with Santa Claus there. Uh, I had already done my PowerPoint, but my, uh, my niece, great-niece, uh, with her great-great-niece and nephew had a picture up yesterday on Facebook, and all I could do was laugh because both brother and sister were screaming as they went off to have these special Christmas photos. That one would have been even funnier to see. And so uh, I, I have so many examples of messy Christmases. I, I could spend the whole morning talking about how everything went wrong at Christmas time. And I think, you know, if we were truthful this morning, you'd have a few too. Uh, I remember I was 13 years old, and my parents had just moved from an apartment in Etobicoke, Ontario, up into Malton. Uh, we were renting a home. It was all set up. It would be our first Christmas in this home that my uh, mother and stepfather, who were newly married, and we were trying to build this family life together. And uh, on Christmas Eve, my brother, who so desperately wanted a puppy, got a dog, a little corgi, well, part corgi, part beagle, cute little thing called Butch. And so that was so exciting. And then <clears throat> my mom had asked me, what did I want for Christmas? And the only thing I wanted for Christmas were these velvet black platform shoes. I can see them today. They had big black bows on the front. And uh, some of you don't know my story, and I don't need to spend a lot of time on that this morning, but mom was a single mom, and even after they were married, uh, my uh, purchases were always on the rack, the markdown rack. And so my shoes were always marked down, my clothes were always marked down, and so I always felt like I was wearing last year's <laughs> fashion. Do you ever feel that way? Some of us have the joy that our parents, I've heard some stories of where mom decided to make your jeans for you, and you had to wear them to school. I heard a young man that used to deal with that. And, and so this Christmas, my mom asked, what do you want for Christmas? And, you know, we say things have changed a lot, but you got one gift. That was the reality, one gift, uh, besides your stocking. And, and so I had asked for these black velvet platform Shoes. Now, why I would need platform shoes, I do not know, because at that point, at 13, I was taller than all the boys in school, but I wanted black platform shoes. And so these black platform shoes, I opened them, and I got them, and it was Christmas morning, and it was like, wow, it was a great day. It was a good day. And so my parents at that time were not walking with the Lord, and so they decided the right thing to do, and I don't know why our church had it, but our church in Mississauga had a Christmas Day service, and so we got up that morning to go to church on Christmas Day, and it was a good day, and we went to church, and we had a wonderful time, and we came home, and then all hell broke out. Well, the brand new puppy, Butch, had chewed and ate one whole Shoe. I was left with one 
not two, one. My stepfather, being raised on a farm, felt that you needed to teach a puppy a few lessons and to make sure he never chewed anything ever again in the house. And so he took that one shoe that was left and chased the, the puppy all over the house trying to give him a few good little slaps with that shoe to teach him never to chew things again in the house. My brother was crying because he was there. His puppy was being chased by my stepfather and was going to get a beating. And he was crying. He was nine at the time. I was there under the tree with a piece of strap that was left, crying because my black velvet shoes were gone. And mom is crying because it's supposed to be Christmas and it's supposed to be perfect and beautiful and wonderful. And this is Christmas. Well, I tell you that story. It's kind of comical now. I still remember it. I don't forget it. But the truth of it is I could tell you story after story how my Christmas, a lot of them have been pretty messy. Can you imagine a setting messier than Jesus' birth this morning? A young, very pregnant woman is traveling a dusty road to an unfamiliar city. And I'm telling you, this took days, not just a quick trip. This was days that she was sitting on that donkey on this way to this unfamiliar city. Somewhere in the swell of the crowd, she goes into labor. The worst place to go into labor. There are no hospitals, no doctors, no midwives, no birthing classes. In fact, there's not even a room. Not even a small space of floor within four walls and a bed for this woman to give birth. Instead, there is a wooden manger and a little bit of, uh, of straw, and there's bleeding cattle, a bleating cattle, and there's the smell of dung and feed all around, and the scratch of, of the dirt, and there is chaos, and there is pain, and there is noise, and there is mess, and then finally there is birth. That first Christmas was a messy Christmas. Don't forget that. Do you know, I brought my hand sanitizer up here today. Mike says, what are you doing with that? I said, oh, We like sanitizer. We have it there at the back of the church, you know, germs. We don't want anyone to pass any germs around. How you doing? Wait a minute. How you doing? But the truth of it is this morning, you know what we've done with Christmas? We've sanitized it. We like the oohs and the ahs and babies. And we make it into this beautiful picture of this perfect night and the perfect birth and all these beautiful things, because we sanitize it. You know what somebody uh, said also? That we've also sanitized the cross. Now, well, that's not a message for today. But we like the nice, pretty crosses in our churches. Heaven forbid we'd have something there that looked like the real thing, with blood stain, rugged, nails still in it. No, no, we, we, t we tend to take our faith and we sanitize it, and we do it especially as we look at Christmas. And so, you know, for Joseph, as we're going to see today, look at things from Joseph's story, it was very, very messy. I want you to turn in your Bibles or the Pew Bibles to Matthew chapter 1, and we're looking at verses 18 to 25, a very familiar story. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 
to 25. Now the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, took place in this way when his mother Mary had been engaged, when his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph just before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had uh, revolved to do this, resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins and all this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet look the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call him Emmanuel which means God is with us and when Joseph awoke from sleep he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him he took her as his wife but had no marital relations with her until she had born a son and he named him Jesus the word of the Lord let's pray father we thank you today for this familiar story how many times have we heard it read uh, at Christmas And we pray today, Lord, your word is alive, the story is still alive, and uh, Jesus is alive, and the Holy Spirit is here, and God, you are wanting to do something in our midst today, because you always do when your people gather in your name. We pray that you would help us to have eyes open to see, ears open to hear, hearts open to feel, and that we would be willing to respond to what you would say to us as the body of Christ here in Elmsdale and what you would say to us as individuals today. This is your place and these are your people and this is your time. And so we surrender it now to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. You see, what's interesting as you come into this story, this is not Luke's story. You're not going to see angelic hosts singing wonderful songs here. You're not going to see a silent night and this big star and the shepherds out in the fields and then they come. This is not the same story. See, see, we usually try to take these stories and put it all together, but the truth of it is, as we look at these two stories of his birth, Matthew's story is a real story. Not saying that Luke isn't, but we're seeing it now from Joseph's eyes. We're seeing it from a different perspective. We see in Luke's Mary getting this angelic host coming to her and speaking to her and how she responds to the angel and she goes into this wonderful song. That's not Joseph's story. Joseph's story is very different and that's what we're looking at today. There is a real life here and it involves difficult decisions it involves destroyed reputations it, dest- uh, it it involves rumors and finger pointing and hardship and so that's why i challenge you today do not try to sanitize this story the first thing we see this morning is joseph was a righteous man we are told in the word of god he he was the guy that tried to do everything right all his life He honored God. He lived in a small town where everybody talks. Hmm, does that sound familiar? Hmm. 
Everybody knew everybody. And so they knew if you were a righteous man or you were not. And so he had followed the law from a young man and he had moved in and, 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 and just was doing everything right. He's this unassuming carpenter. He is a blue-collar worker. And so he's this young Jewish man from a Palestinian community. And he's in this most likely an arranged marriage to this teen girl named Mary. And all of a sudden, there's an unexpected turn of events. Do you ever have days like that? Days where everything is going right and it seems to be a good day, and then all of a sudden, just like that, something changes. Joseph finds out that Mary is pregnant. We're not sure how he knew. Some believe that she had come back from Elizabeth's showing. (laughs) This is the one that he is betrothed to. And he knows it's not his baby. She is pregnant, he believes, with another man's child. What a blow. See, betrothal is not like our engagements. Our engagements, if something goes wrong, if there's unfaithfulness, you return the ring, you cancel uh, the plans. In their day, betrothal was contractual. It was like our weddings today. And so the only way that that contraction contract could be uh, annulled was through divorce. It was a public thing. It was something that had to be done. It was done with much shame. So Joseph is now this righteous man. He's done everything right according to the law all his life. He doesn't deserve this. Do you ever feel like that? When life throws you a curveball, when somebody walks out the door, when things haven't gone the way that you think they should have gone? Now, see, the interesting thing in this story is Joseph could have called for justice. Under the law, he had all right to call for justice because, after all, he's a righteous man, and this is the law, and this is the way it should have been, and Mary broke the law. Obviously, she's been unfaithful, and so you can't imagine, I think we can imagine, the emotions that Joseph is going through in this beginning of this story. He could have had her stoned if he wanted revenge, if he wanted to make his point, if he wanted to keep his righteous standing. He could have had her stoned. He could have dragged her out into the streets and went knocking on her parents' door, and right there at the door, the whole community would have come out and stoned her to death in front of everyone, and it would have been seen as okay. And yet we read in the story that although he's a righteous man, he doesn't try to save his own reputation. He chooses a path least damaging for Mary, least damaging for this another man's baby. He would divorce her quietly, secretly. See, the quiet divorce would not stop the rumors, would not stop the gossip, But a quiet divorce would at least allow Mary to return to her mother and father, would allow at least her to live and this baby to live. And so we see in the beginning of this story that although Joseph is a righteous man, in this moment he decides to be merciful. And he does this act of wonderful mercy. 
We can almost see, we look at Mary and we see why God chose Mary to be the one, but in this story, we can see why God chose Joseph. That he is willing to put aside his righteousness and he shows this wonderful act of mercy to Mary. Do you know what's wonderful in this story is God shows up. God shows up in our messes. God shows up when life throws us a curveball. And so in this situation, God shows up. There is this angel that comes to Joseph in a dream. You know what I love about the story of Joseph? God works differently with different people. We know Mary, the angel came and stood right before her. But in Joseph, God spoke to him through a dream. The angel came to him in a dream. And I want to encourage you this morning that God will choose his way to speak to us uniquely. God speaks to every person differently. There are no two people that God speaks the same way. There are no two people that come to faith the same way. It is the way that God just wants to speak to us uniquely. I've shared often that I was there in, in Mississauga, that same church that I went as a teenager at 13 that Sunday morning, far from God, a life far from God. But on that one Sunday morning, August 26, 1984, God showed up, praise God. And I could hear Jesus speaking in my ear as if he was sitting to me in the next pew. I mean, in the pew next to me, I heard him speak to me. My life was never the same after that morning because it wasn't just my mother's faith and my stepfather's faith. It wasn't the pastor's faith. It wasn't my grandmother's faith. He spoke to me uniquely. He won't speak to you that way, most likely. But he will find his own way to come to you and speak to you. I give God the praise today that he showed up in my life. That's my desire as a pastor, is that he shows up in your life. There's nothing better than that. And so as this angel comes, he gives three instructions to Joseph. He says, you are to take Mary as your wife, because that child is not of another man. He is of the Holy Spirit. He, he says to him that you are not to consummate this marriage until she gives birth. He says to him, here is what you're to do, Joseph. You are to call the baby Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And so taking Mary as his wife now means that he takes on Mary's shame. This righteous man. He now is saying, you know what? We were supposed to wait, but we didn't wait. And in that day, it was shameful. Most likely, they would have been shamed by the whole town. Most likely, they would have been shunned by their families because Mary is found out to be pregnant, and Joseph then would be seen as the father. And so this is what the angel tells Joseph to do. Take this child. Mary, Mary, take this child as your own. He tells them to show great restraint, that they are not to consummate their marriage until after the birth of the child. And then the angel says to him, you are to call the child Jesus, for he shall save his people. 
You know, there's this sense now that God is doing a new exodus, that God is doing a new mission. And now, Joseph, uh, I want you to step into this mission that I have for you and Mary and this child, this unborn child. And so you can see that in this moment, Joseph decides that he will step into that which God has for him. We're we're told here that he he is to call the child Jesus. He is given the name of the child. Jesus was a very popular name in the day. Joshua is the root of that in the Old Testament, and which means God saves. And so call this child Jesus that God saves. But the important thing here is Joseph is to call the child. And in doing so, Joseph is saying, I am the father. This is my child and I'm giving him the name, God saves. I don't think that's how he thought their plans would go down. I don't think either one of them, when they were betrothed and looking at life, building a life together, a simple life, that they knew that they would enter into this great adventure, but truthfully, a painful adventure, a messy adventure. And so, We see it's amazing that he is obedient to God's call on his life. And it challenged me this week as I was reading this passage. God, am I obedient? Am I willing to give up my plans and my comfort for you to do what you want to do in my life and through me? Or is it all about me and the way I think my life should go? She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. I think we need to realize this morning, don't, don't sanitize the nativity. I have met so many people, oh, look at the precious baby. You know women love babies. <laughs> Do you ever hear women around babies? Ooh, oh, wow, look at those little toes. Look at those fingers. I'm not saying that men don't like babies, but you don't usually hear men talk that way. I haven't, anyway. Not that man, anyway. <laughs> that's what we kind of do with Christmas. I think it's an attack of the enemy. I think it's the attack of the enemy to make us look at the nativity and look how pretty and beautiful and sweet baby Jesus. Oh, I have a story I could tell about that one, but we won't go there in a movie. Sweet, dear little baby Jesus. And, And I think it's an attack of the enemy for us not to look at the reality of the incarnation that God has just broke into our world. I remember in that November of that same year, Pastor Mike came to faith. And I remember, I mentioned that once before, I remember that Christmas that all he did was weep. The Italian macho man that never wept. Never seen him weep in all our years of marriage, even the loss of family members, because Zetas don't weep, was what he was told. And that first Christmas... Looking at that manger, the little small one that we had, he wept and wept. Why? Do you have the eyes to see it today? Do you have the eyes to see the reality of what this is all about? Not what you've heard in church all your life and the little plays that we put on. And those are important, don't get me wrong. It's important that we keep Christ in Christmas. 
but do you understand the significance that God has come to us, that Jesus has come, that the one who saves is not up there in the cosmos, but he's come right to earth where we live in our messy life. He's taken on your flesh and my flesh. That's what incarnation means. He's taken on my fallenness and my wanting to do good and I mess up, as Paul says in Romans 7, that what I want to do, I don't do. Oh, what a wretched man that I am, that God has taken this on for us. This is the messy birth of Jesus, that God saves that Jesus is our savior and this child that was born, you've heard it before, was born to die. He is that one who takes all of humanity and now unites it with God. It is the beginning of his salvation mission. This is the first step and then there would be his life of living a godly, sinless life and then there would be the cruel death And praise God, there would be the resurrection where out from the grave he arose and swallowed up death once and for all. Swallowed up our separation from God. And so what's so beautiful in this story, in the midst of all of that, Joseph goes forth and he is obedient. He knows that he's been a righteous man, but he now takes on the shame. He listens to what God tells him to do and he is indeed obedient and takes this child as his own. You know the truth this morning? God is with us. God is with us in our messes. Praise God, if your Christmas is perfect and you don't have any issues and all your family members you love having at your table, hallelujah. Sometimes it's not as pretty. It wasn't as pretty when when I remember that Christmas, what was New Year's that year, where all of a sudden Mike's brother shows up alone and our sister-in-law Lori for many, many years is not there. There's issues and problems going on and it just wasn't the same that year. It it wasn't easy for us when we were over in Europe and we had left the family behind and we were there by ourselves. I, I remember the year when the stomach flu hit Christmas Eve and went into Christmas Day. And we had to take turns putting on the veggies and the turkey. Far from family, far away from everything. I I could tell you stories, but what I want to tell you this morning is we could talk about the stories, how everything went wrong, but my emphasis this morning is in those moments God shows up. That's the message of Christmas. Not that we want to sanitize our families and our lives and it has to look like the perfect picture and everybody has to act a certain way and everyone's got to be happy all the time. Oh, heaven forbid, come Boxing Day, then it's a mess. But oh, for Christmas, we all got to look good and act good and pretend for a day. And then we go back to what real life is like. Well, God is with us in real life, my friends. And I want to encourage you today Don't pretend, don't put on the facade, don't for a day pretend to be something that you're not. God is with us in our present mess. That's why I wish you today a messy Christmas, that you would know that your eyes would be open and no matter what you're going through today that you know God is with me 
Emmanuel. It was a difficult period for the Jews when Jesus first came. The oppressive power of the Romans, they were taxed extravagantly. Soldiers walked around their streets doing whatever they wanted. The tyranny of it all. Jews couldn't build or, or even travel without Roman permission. But it was not just difficult Politically, it was a hard time to live. The most common cause of death in that day of Jesus was childbirth. Then you think about Mary alone, and yet the way that most women died in her day was childbirth. The fears that she would have had, giving birth away from any midwife and alone. Simple injuries usually ended up in infection and ended in death. Poverty was rampart. That's why Jesus taught his disciples to pray, what? Give us today our daily bread. Because that's all they had, was they got up in the morning hoping they would find bread for that day. Survival was dependent upon back-breaking work. And it's into that mess that Jesus comes. You know, our world is still messy today. We like to pretend that things have gotten a lot better. Oh, I believe we have an easier life in many ways, but our world is still a mess. There are some who don't live in comfort right now today as we gather in this church with heat and a cushioned pew. There are children tonight who go to bed hungry. There are people who are under the tyranny of drugs and addictions as we sit here today in freedom. There are refugees that are running from corruption and wars and Poverty. And sometimes we'd like to believe in West Prince that that mess is out there and over there. (laughs) But as a pastor and as I listen to people and as I talk and as I get to know things around us, we realize that the mess is not just over there. I'm going to be honest this morning, the mess can be right here. Diagnosis that we didn't want. Addictions, death that happens at the worst of times. Is there ever a right time for it to happen? Illnesses. And you know what? It's difficult today, too. Do you realize the worries, the concerns that people have? Sometimes they don't even share them. That here in Canadian culture in this day, anxiety is one of the worst plagues that is plaguing Canadians and even young children. We also live in a very hard and difficult day. You know, I I think it's kind of funny that I'm doing this, but thank you for any Christmas card. Now, this is not one that somebody gave me But I just felt I needed to do this today and say, get rid of your sanitized pictures of Christmas, the perfect little pictures, and embrace this morning the truth of Christmas, the first Christmas, the real Christmas, that God saves. Jesus has come to save his people. Jesus came into a real broken world. Mary and Joseph would never be the same again. Their life would not be easy. There would be much difficulty. But they were obedient to the call of God in their lives. And they know the truth that no matter where they went, that God was with them, Emmanuel.
See, for me, this Christmas, looking at the real story, it gives me hope. I hope it gives you hope this morning. It gives me something to celebrate. It gives me joy to know the promises of God that no matter what I face, no matter what I go through, God is with me. We've been saying that to the seniors, that we've been going around the senior homes, but as we get to the end of Matthew, what is, this is the story of Matthew, this is the beginning of Matthew, but as you come to the gospel, the end of Matthew, what does he promise his disciples? I will be with you always, even to the ends of the age. That is the wonderful message of Christmas, that God is with us. So my friends, there are no perfect Christmases. Hallmark might try to sell you the movies that look so perfect. We might go and purchase these cards, and nothing wrong with Christmas cards, but we usually, especially as women again, I don't see a whole lot of men picking out Christmas cards. Again, there's another one of those things. It's women, usually. And of course, it's got to be the prettiest picture on the front. I got ones this year that sparkle. And of course, I want God's blessing on you. I want your Christmas to go well. But I think it's really a time for us to sit back for a moment this Sunday in the midst of all our busyness, in the midst of family gatherings, and just to stop for a moment and say, you know what? Maybe my life is a mess this Christmas. Maybe things aren't going the way I think they should go. But you know what? It's okay it's okay. That's the kind of Christmas that Jesus first came to and was born. And if Jesus could come that first night in that mess, in that tyranny, in that brokenness, Jesus, this Christmas, can come in my life, in all that I'm going through, and bring his hope, his joy, his peace, and his love and salvation. Do you know what he's asking from us this Christmas? It was funny because kind of we were in prayer this morning and it kind of came and I had a, a message many, quite a while back about being fully present. About how you can sit in a pew and not really be here. And so Pastor Mike and I were praying this morning and I, and I, I thought about the fact that uh, some of these weddings that people get invited to, you know, uh, especially weddings in, in the Caribbean and that, I've seen people do it. Your, your presence is your present. So basically, if you pay for your flight down to that resort, and that's your present. Your presence is your present. As we bring this service, this last Sunday of Advent to a close, I, I wonder if you're willing to give that kind of present to Jesus today. I'm going to ask our worship team to come. Uh, are you willing this Sunday to say, Lord, I'm present. I'm fully present. I'm fully engaged. I'm fully wanting to come and worship. I'm pushing aside all the worries, concerns, anxious things that I still need to do. And in this moment, I want to be brought back to that first night, that messy evening. And I want to embrace the reality of what you went through and what others went through for my salvation. And I want to be encouraged today to realize 
that God is with us and we are not alone. And so as odd as it sounds this Advent, I wish you a messy Christmas. Not that things go wrong, but I wish you an unsanitized reality check of what this faith is really about. That Jesus is the one who saves. And he is also Emmanuel, God with us. Won't you stand with us as we sing this closing song, Adore. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge you today. Oh yeah, it's Advent, and I'm sure you've got lots of things to do right after you leave here today. But as I said to you, would you give Jesus this presence of your being fully present here today? Some of you, I'm going to challenge you, would you be willing to say, Jesus, come into my mess. I got a diagnosis I didn't want to hear. I, I'm not in good relationship with somebody, a neighbor, my family. Uh, I'm going to be alone this Christmas. I'm in a crowd, but even this morning I feel alone. See, this is where we unsanitize it. This is where we just get real with each other. And where we can encourage one another and pray for one another. This is where God shows up. In moments like these. I'm not going to say any more. But I want to say to you that if God has been speaking to you this morning, I just ask you to come and stand across the front. Not a sign to me, but a sign to him. That you are saying, I know that Jesus saves. And I know this Sunday that he is Emmanuel. My Emmanuel. Not just the Emmanuel. My Emmanuel. And that God is with me in this mess. And he's going to help me through it. Amen and amen.